You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 477, TV show The Chop Gets the Chop, Spotify Invent Radio, and When is a Reformed Band Not a Reformed Band? That's all coming up after the mighty lemon drops and Inside Out. those nearly but not quite bands from the 1980s a series of singles and albums that teetered just outside the charts this was a single from 1988 it reached number 74 in the uk the mighty lemon drops and inside out i like that very much like you say i do like those those nearly kind of 80s almost jangle-esque kind of bands i wish them all well there's lots of i get them confused with other bands with mighty in them as well not to be confused with mighty mighty 
Oh god, there's even more confusing. <laughs> yeah. Or the mighty mighty boss tones who came later. <laughs> Hello and thanks very much for joining us. It's the Parish Council, episode four hundred and seventy-seven. I'm oh. Terence Stackham. And if there's somebody calling me on, she's the one. It's Juliet Harris. Uh, I always enjoy these uh, these schmaltzy introductions. <laughs> so sincere, so sweet. Thank you very much, Terence. Hello, everyone. Hope you're well. One aspect of life that seems to bring out the worst of us is a sort of joy in seeing TV shows or movies fail. It's a sort of prism of um, schadenfreude for the visual media. Mm. Um, TV shows failing at the first hurdle. It's, it's not a new thing. In 2014, Fox's, uh, Fox TV's reality TV, I Wanna Marry Harry, uh, led... Oh, I remember that. Yes, tw- 12 American women were led to believe that they were all competing <laughs> for the affections of Prince Harry, unaware that they were actually dating a Prince Harry lookalike. Oh, and for that, goodness sake. that was pulled off the air after four excruciating episodes. Mm. Here, here in the UK in 2015, another show that we talked about at the time, Flock Stars, celebrities of a sort, tried to master sheep herding. And of mm. course, it was terrible and was cancelled after one series. The fact that I can't even remember the fact that we talked about that just goes <laughs> to show, it doesn't it? Yeah. On Tuesday evening of this week that we're recording this, I noticed that trending on Twitter was a new show, The, the Chop on Sky TV. And in, in, in an sort of innocuous looking show about woodworking presented by the Mm. unthreatening safe trio of Will Hardy, Rick Edwards and Lee Mack. Yeah. But it it turned out that viewers, Jules, had spotted something that all of the team at Sky, researchers, producers, directors, cameramen, camerawomen, they'd all missed. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of a miss this, unfortunately. Um, So... One of the participants, a chap called Darren Lumsden, um, he had quite a lot of tattoos, which you wouldn't necessarily think is unusual in today's day and age. Um, I don't have a tattoo, which does make me unusual in today's day and age, apparently. But anyway, um, he had various tattoos across his face, which, again, is even it, that is unusual. Not that many people have face tattoos. Now, if you'd asked me what kind of a person has face tattoos, I probably would have said generally unsavoury in my experience not always before anyone writes in but generally a bit unsavoury um perhaps not someone with an office job (laughs) and that's one of the things though jules isn't it that you're going to find it hard to get employment for the rest of your life absolutely and you know that that is a thing isn't it it's not exactly a sleeve that can be covered up but um uh, but but also sort of maybe football hooligans. I see a lot of those with face tattoos or, you know, over enthusiastic football fans, shall we call them. Um, this chap had a symbol on his face that was basically a Nazi symbol. And and there are people that have Nazi tattoos. Someone posted what I thought was actually a very useful thread on Twitter recently, showing a picture of a heavily tattooed man queuing up to buy beer in a corner shop in Brighton. And I wasn't really aware of this uh, at at that point. This was a few weeks ago. I think I sort of knew I knew a bit about Combat 18, which is sort of a neo-Nazi group of long standing over here. They've been kicking around since I was reading about them in the mirror in the 90s, again, in a football context. But it had they had a sort of a 
I don't want to say map because that does make it sound a bit sort of a cut out and keep guide, doesn't it? But anyway, this person <laughs> talks you through the Twitter feed of all of the different tattoos on this guy. And they all had some kind of neo-Nazi meaning. It's it's like a whole other world, Terence. It's this mm. scary underground language Amazing. that most people like you and me won't understand. Mm. So actually, there is a little bit of, I can have a little bit of sympathy for Sky because basically no one spotted that this guy had a Nazi tattoo on his face. And and it was only when he started appearing in the publicity, a sky hissed. Uh, this is, I think, perhaps what the biggest co-op was. Uh, the the channel. So Sky has a number of different channels that are all linked, and obviously they all carry, like a lot of digital channels, they all carry advertising for content on other channels, like BBC Radio does as well. I yeah, suppose yeah. they kind of they they promote cross across the network. It was of all people the Sky History Channel that tweeted, <laughs> I know you can make this up, that tweeted a video that showed this tattoo quite clearly on the guy's face. Um and um and eventually had to had to the problem was is that is that they initially that this is I mean this is sort of disaster after disaster. Not only did they not did a research and not pick this up in the first place, you said no one on that program did. Not only did the Sky History Channel, the History Channel, then tweet it. They then initially um, straight batted it away and said that the tattoos had no political or ideological meaning whatsoever, um, which is almost bordering on, I'm sorry if you were offended, isn't it, really? And then they said they wouldn't air the programme until they investigated its nature and meaning. And they said this deathless tweet, while we investigate the nature and meaning of Darren's tattoos, oh man, we have removed <laughs> the video featuring him from our social media and we were not broadcasting any episodes of The Chop until we have concluded that investigate that investigation sky history in block capitals stands against racism and hate speech of all kinds and just to explain this um explain this tattoo be interesting to see whether or not this is true the the the, the, the tattoo is number eight eight and h is the eighth letter of the alphabet it is sometimes used to as a code by white supremacists to spell out hail hitler um this the, the argument but back was that the number 88 uh, initially they 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 gave the story that the bloke gave them which was it referred to the year of his father's death 88 and you'd think that was you know that was that was terrible and this bloke's been caught up in an awful misunderstanding and why is everyone being so woke etc but interestingly the irish historian elizabeth boyle wrote on twitter that she could see at least another five potential nazi and white power <laughs> tattoos on his face so i'm not entirely convinced this was an honest mistake it's interesting isn't it i have a little bit of sympathy with guy because this this crazy underworld i mean mm. i knew i knew about the, the the existence of combat 18 i knew i knew a little bit about that sort of world i sort of knew it was there but to be honest like most kind of nice sensible people i was trying to ignore it really um but the and I wouldn't have had any kind of idea about face tattoos and kind of their meaning until that thread on Twitter recently. And I can't even remember who it was now. It was just some random person, I think, that explained it all. And it all 
thing and i then looked it up on the internet and they were it wasn't just someone making it up there was there, there was sort of research out there i think hope not hate had done some research and they kind of sort of comped it all together so i have a little bit of sympathy with sky and that if this had taken place three or six months ago i wouldn't have known and i consider myself to be not the cleverest person in the world but fairly switched on and engaged with that sort of thing so i have a little bit of sympathy but what they should have done at the first accusation or the first kind of hint that it might be neo-nazi was not to go oh well that's just the year his dad died they really should have yeah. i think they really, I, I think i think it's possible i mean it is very unfortunate with sky history that tweeted it i think that's what's really done them in but but yeah it's it's it just goes to show, doesn't it? When people talk about, and I think there's a serious point to be made here. When people talk about non-jobs, when people talk about made-up jobs, and the conversation we've been having the last few months about, you know, the creative sector and how some of these jobs are non-jobs that shouldn't really exist, and it's just as well they've gone now, etc. Just goes to show maybe we do need TV researchers. <laughs> and also, jumping off that, maybe we need TV researchers that know what they're doing rather than the producer's niece. Which I don't <laughs> yeah, know oh, if yes. it was in this case. No, but, you no, know, no, but I take TV your point researchers, TV researchers often, you know, often they don't get there on merit in my experience. I agree with there's some um, sympathy to be had for Sky because they'd obviously found this fellow and thought, well, here's a character. This 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 mm-hmm. chap's got, you know, a bit different <laughs> tattoos all over his face. But of course, as as you mentioned, they made the classic mistake in doubling down at first yes, and de- defending absolutely. the tattoo face man. Um, Darren Lumsden, when he said the 88 tattoo well, uh, wasn't, as you say, the well-known shorthand for Heil Hitler, but it was a reference to the year his father died. Big mistake. These days, it is and was so easy for journalists uh, to figure out and find out that, in fact, his father is actually very much alive and well. As it <laughs> no, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the real kicker to that, isn't yes. it, really? That's that's the point at which. And you'd think that if, if you know, that had come up, I, I just feel this has been so badly handled. I mean, the fact that his dad is alive, I mean, someone said on Twitter, it's 2020, of course his dad is alive, <laughs> you know? This is, this is kind of where we are. So, and I bet that the sky must be annoyed, actually, honestly slightly sort of more basic level because i mean we laugh about program formats don't we about how there was one early on in lockdown called celebrity snoop dogs where basically a celebrity had a camera put on their collar and it would walk around their house it was like through the keyhole except with a dog doing the filming and me and my friend were laughing at it saying oh god it's monkey tennis until halfway through the conversation i went hang on you can film this with social distancing because Brilliant. literally all you're doing is sending the dog around the house. My friend went, oh, yeah. So so I can kind of I can kind of see, you know, I, I, some formats work, you know, even if you don't think they do. And actually, I, I can sort of you think, oh, well, cutting God, how awful. Then having said that, if you told me two years ago that two older and possibly even over the hill comedians uh, would host a program where they went fishing and nothing happened for half an hour for six episodes i've gone oh that's rubbish there's no way i've watched that why do they make this junk whereas uh, gone fishing with mortimer and whitehouse is one of the best tv programs of the last few years to me it is it is a wonderful thing so i don't necessarily want to dismiss some program program format sort of out of hand and actually you think oh well the wood the wood cutting thing might actually work if you get characters that are, that are interesting but unfortunately this character was a bit too interesting it turned out 
A couple more TV shows that didn't last mm-hmm. that long. In America, 1965, NBC aired My Mother, the Car. Uh, the plot of, <laughs> right. Yeah, the plot of which revolved around the mother of the lead character. The mother dies. By the way, the lead uh, character was played by Dick Van Dyke's brother, Jerry. But they get, <laughs> you, you, I have to say, I really want to watch this. You're yeah, telling this to me enormously. The, the mother of Jerry Van Dyke dies, and she's reinc- reincarnated as an antique car. <laughs> really want to see this it sounds great and it gets better she communicates with jerry van dyke through the car radio oh um, and you see what how can this fail it sounds really good it's like a sort of an analog night rider isn't it i really like this nbc cancelled it anyway but um um one we've mentioned before and is really um appropriate for idiots this discussion. for cancelling that show by the way absolute idiots i uh, know yes the worst uk tv show ever heil honey i'm home uh, a british sitcom <laughs> in terrible taste from 1990 adolf hitler and eva brown moving next door to a jewish couple um a sitcom in 1990 yeah. unsurprisingly cancelled after one episode I, so. I mean not hugely surprising I, <laughs> i've got a couple more recent ones that i can offer you yeah. and also at the end uh, an example of why sometimes it is good to keep patience with things okay. um so we had um anchor woman uh, Fox comedy reality TV series about Lauren Jones, a model who became a television news anchor. Uh, Cancelled on the 23rd of August because of a disappointing 2.0 fast national rating. So its premiere consisted of two half hour episodes. That was it. it. We weren't allowed to see any more of that. Would you have watched this? The Busey Bunch TLC rap reality show about the Buses, a family that promotes a local professional wrestling federation oh in Texas. God. The series was pulled following its premiere showing, with a <laughs> scheduled showing on the 29th of January also pulled. That didn't even last a week. Sure. And also, we were eventually given the opportunity to watch this, The Hasselhoffs, a reality oh, series, no. series starring David Hasselhoff and his two daughters, was cancelled after only two episodes aired. The first two episodes aired back-to-back on the same night, leaving eight episodes unaired this was from 2010 a and e the perhaps somewhat appropriately named channel <laughs> stated that they planned on airing the other eight completed half hour episodes at a later date that's always the kiss of death isn't it at a later date however mm. never took place eventually it found a home in the uk it aired on they basically got it all out of the way in one day they obviously thought oh we've got to show this let's just put it all before the age of binging it was shown back to back on may the 30th 2011 on that big ticket network the biography channel over here in the uk but one thing that is interesting people why series get cancelled after a uh, after a series why things get cancelled sometimes people think oh you know it'll it'll never take off that sort of thing i bring to you the parable of only fools and horses Hmm. which um in the uk which the first series was shown um shown on the in the on the uk um the first episode was brothers um it didn't get particularly great ratings and it was not it was just it was just another program that that had a you know that was that was starting out with a first series um it it wasn't particularly successful um however um there so it looked like it was probably going to be cancelled that was the general impression that they'd done a series it hadn't really set the set the world on fire but um it it, it you know it it, it got a it still got about 7 million views but it got fairly lukewarm sort of uh, uh ratings that sort of thing there was a strike amongst tv engineers 
and they run they didn't have anything to show and so they repeated the first series of only fools and horses and it got slightly higher viewer ratings and slightly better reviews as a result of which they did decide to do a second series and then it became one of the probably the biggest show on british tv so perhaps sometimes it's good to give things a second go absolutely similar story with seinfeld in america in the 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 Mm. cast and the uh, production team the creatives all thought after the first series well we got away with that and sort mm. of all sort of wished each other well and um you know went on their way and we were amazed to have it recommissioned and uh, the first two series were a bit sort of slow and then it sort of took off in series three mm. and four and in a similar way became uh, the, the best loved and um, most profitable uh series ever on american tv so similar to any fools and horses so uh, as you say sometimes patience you know it, it, it takes a a bit of courage from um station controllers to say you know i believe in this we'll we'll, we'll stick with it absolutely so. and the, the age of streaming has has mm. given a new dimension to that as well in that streaming is much more likely to give things a second life mm. do you remember the the drama that was on bbc a while ago um some years ago now i think called the fall that starred gillian anderson no, I don't. It was, it was, well, I mean, it it wasn't, I think there were a couple of series. I'm just looking up now to see how many series. There were three series in total. It was a psychological thriller um, based around, um, I don't think this is spoiling particularly. If you really, if you really get cross about spoilers, I just get cross with people who get cross about spoilers. But if you get mm. really cross about spoilers, shut your ears for a minute. But basically, The Fall, it's a psychological thriller. It, it examines a serial killer who preys on victims in and around Belfast and that's Jamie Dornan and the female detective drafted him from the London Met to, to try and catch him um, which is Gillian Anderson now this was on 2013 to 2016 and it caused a bit of a stir at the time but like lots of these dramas particularly in the pre-streaming age even acclaimed dramas that the BBC would show would be very seldom repeated maybe you could buy them on video and then DVD they wouldn't be repeated very much. And it was put on one of the streaming platforms uh, during lockdown. I think it was Netflix or something like that. Mm. And all of a sudden, four years after this programme finished, my whole Twitter timeline was completely obsessed with it, particularly sort of women of my age that had missed it the first mm. time round. People were just going on. I mean, it was trending on Twitter. A four-year-old mm. drama was, tw- was trending on Twitter. And I think a similar thing happened with with Fleabag that was very much a sleeper hit so so it's it's interesting uh, interesting to see uh, multiple channels as well I hope that BBC3 comes back at some point onto onto terrestrial television or digital TV whatever we're calling it nowadays mm. because it was a place where drama where uh, comedies particularly dramas sometimes but particularly comedies were were sort of tried out as a testing ground maybe that is the key because you could point to loads of, of, of comedies on the BBC that started off on the minor channels and then grew and grew and grew really but um we've gone a very long way down this road haven't we sorry i have wandered off but um but yeah maybe patience is a virtue when it comes to things like that because you know if the fall can trend on twitter four years after it stopped then the sky's the limit surely if you make something that is good then there will be an outlet somewhere for it and there will be an audience for it somewhere particularly now no one's going out anymore well indeed um having said all that i rather suspect we may never see another episode of 
the chop. Um, uh, Dominum ad nostrum, etc. Yes. yes. Coming right up, Spotify say they're introducing a whole new kind of show. But how new <laughs> is this idea of theirs? That's next. Spoiler alert, Old as the Hills. <laughs> <laughs> That's next after King. That's Your journey, early or maybe later. It's all 
is the sort of record that a year ago I would have been deeply embarrassed to admit it that I'd liked. And, you know, lockdowns brought a lot of changes about to a lot of people, hasn't it, really? And it's brought some fairly major structural changes in my life, which I won't bore everyone with here. But anyway, I um, I've moved uh, from the private sector to the public sector doing my job, which I'm delighted by. On my first day at my new school, I was waiting on a platform um, to change trains and I had Lauren Laverne's excellent breakfast show on Six Music uh, in my headphones and they have a thing called first in where where if you're first in to whatever your situation is you're you're allowed to pick and I was on it actually years ago uh, you're allowed to pick the track that's played just before eight o'clock and a woman asked for and was given this track Love and Pride by King and I found it again this is quite embarrassing but it was just the kind of upbeat sort of banger that I really needed to kind of send me into my first day with a smile on my face and it really did I think that is there is something a little bit ridiculous about that uh, you know it's it, you know, it, it's funk it's tropical funk it's really weird but having said that I can't resist it I think that is great I, I, I will dance if that is played wherever I am I must admit my old friend A.D. Lillywhite played drums hmm. he played drums in King oh okay and he told oh, me you're a few... such a celeb Terence uh, it's a story he told me a few few years ago that they were all on 150 quid a week uh, right throughout, even when wow. they were, you know, make the, the hits were coming. And um, the big bonus was when they did Top of the Pops because he got an extra 300 quid and wow. a car wow. to the studio. Um, but they, they, they broke up after a year. Um, mainly because of that, because despite, um, you know, the couple of singles that were successful and a one pretty big album, they mm. were all on, on, on sort of, you know, very, very minimal salary, which is something, you know, obviously that whatever they signed, um, you know, and signed up to. But in 1989, just after they um, broke up, Paul King, after whom the, mm, the band was yeah. named, he became a VJ, a video jockey on MTV. Oh, yes. And he still works for MTV Network Europe to this day, which is wow. what, 31 years later. He's still That's working crazy, for MTV. isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty um, it's amazing how long those um, those those people, particularly particularly in Europe, can go on for a friend of mine's. Um, Got, uh, I think his sister married uh, some sort of Dutch VJ who is very much still spinning a career out of it. Again, probably a, a similar length to a uh, similar length to this King bloke. But yeah, just goes to show, doesn't it, really? But um, no, that is a, that is a tune any day of the week, and it does make me make me laugh. You know how you always tease me that things happen before I was born mm-hmm. on this program, and you always ask me questions about, you know, with yeah. the quiz that we have. You know, all these were before you were born. That record was released five months before I was born but I am proud to be of the same vintage of that record now the the internet age of companies they never want to stand still they they get the heebie-jeebies if they don't launch a new version of their apps every five minutes absolutely if you haven't got a point 10 then who even are you <laughs> that's it and they're eternally looking for new angles other companies to swallow up and novel ways to keep us signed up and our direct debits flowing one example this week is apple who soft launched apple music tv this week currently Mm. only available in the states it's a 24-hour curated live stream of popular music videos and i bet 
I'm not the only one who immediately flashed into their minds. I think, well, isn't that a rehash of MTV? Well, like, so uh, I was going to say, this is MTV with a different yes. logo, surely. And of course, it seems to be exactly that. And the, mm. uh, the, the key message is that by the mid-2000s, the audience for rolling music videos had more or less vanished and is now covered by YouTube and, to a degree, Vivo. Apple mm. Music TV looks like a bit of a desperate pitch. Jules, this week, you've been looking into what Spotify call introducing a whole new kind of show well uh just how new and innovative is it well okay so let me pitch this at you and see <laughs> see how you feel about it so spotify i've got this thing right so you know so, so i say you know I, i'm sort of lazily assuming that everybody knows what spotify is by now but in case for some reason you don't i don't want to i don't want to pass judgment on why you don't know that or where you've been but anyway if you don't know what spotify is it's a streaming service whereby you can listen to music for at a sort of a flat rate so you pay a subscription every month um depending on what level of access you want if you want your whole family to do it that sort of thing i think it's about a tenner you pay for a month and you can listen to unlimited music and if you pay the top rate of a tenner then you don't have to have constant adverts as well so so you know if, if you like that sort of thing it's a good thing i have you know there are some people that have views on whether or not you are really buying music and supporting artists or if you are just renting music because the artists get paid minuscule amounts uh beyonce there was a recent thing about beyonce being one of the most played artists ever and she'd hit this many plays and lots of people tweeted Beyonce to congratulate her on making seven pounds so I mean it's it's mm -hmm. it's a pretty low rate but anyway they play music you know you, you can listen to music all the time they'll make playlists for you so you don't necessarily listen to your to your own music you don't have any control so that can be quite good um get this Terence what if you had but as well you had someone talking in between to tell you about what you were listening to how does that sound it sounds a very novel idea i'm surprised nobody's thought of that before i mean they haven't unless of course you count the 80 years of radio that we have just experienced spotify bless them have invented music radio um yeah. which they have not in, in, invented although i do love i mean I, I i mean this is so hilarious i don't know how people have this lack of self-awareness so they having said that i think they all work in the music industry don't <laughs> they but this person has written whoever whatever that has whatever committee has written this everyone loves both a great playlist and a highly engaging conversation. Yes, that is true. I do love that. Today, we're beginning to test a new listening experience that brings together music and spoken word content in an easy and elegant package. Well, that is that us, isn't it, Terence? Surely. Mm. Um, allowing full songs and talk commentary to live together, wrapped up in one show and then they, when it says how it works think of your favorite drive time radio show that music journalist whose insights um, help you appreciate a band's leap forward a dj whose perspective makes that next track hit perfectly so what you're basically saying is you're having drive time radio hosted by people who know about music i actually think that spotify have invented six music i think that's what they've specifically or john peel that seems to be what they've invented it's like they're almost saying maybe they're not claiming to have invented radio although it is a bit ridiculous but maybe what they're saying is 
we're doing a better quality of radio whereas rather than having the sort of commercial radio banal it's summer or oh, I that was summertime I'm gonna go and get my ice cream you know that kind of you know what about that weather outside here today banal chatter of drive time DJs rather than having that maybe they they're saying oh well we've got people that actually tell you lots about the records and the band and that sort of thing I mean I still don't feel that is particularly new maybe they're arguing that they're they're producing a better quality of radio I don't know but my my cynical view on this as someone who actually a small part of me would like to host one of their shows I think I'd be all right but Mm. but a larger part of me is thinking yeah but I don't want to do that for 10p an hour or whatever it is they're gonna they're gonna and I'm just concerned that given that they don't really do anything to look after their 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 artists in terms of actually paying people properly for the use of their music I'm not convinced it's going to be any different when it comes to the terms upon which they engage their journalists to do it and it makes me think that surely their presenters unless you pay them properly they're probably not going to be of great quality in which case is your station really going to be any better than any of the others that exist? Because really, when it comes down to it, you do get what you pay for. Spotify, of course, would argue that they pump millions and millions of money back, but it's how the record companies distribute it is the mm, problem. Okay, but, fair yeah, enough. Well, I do. I do. No, the, the, the first... <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, Spotify. Rep. Yeah, so <laughs> Spotify <laughs> spokesman uh, said today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, but the... how much do they pay you for that, Terry? Not very much, <laughs> I'm assuming. The first thought that struck me when I saw Spotify launching this combination of music and commentary was, of course, isn't this what radio does already, as you've said, Uh, you know, and thousands and thousands of stations across the globe on radio sets and through the Internet. Um, But but another thing that I noticed is they they put up some sample shows combining music with commentary. um, Mm. And the first thing I, I noticed is that it's very hard to skip tracks, which is, I would have thought, one thing you would want to do. Say you're listening to somebody that you may be quite interested to go on in the rabbit on, and then they say, oh, and now I'm going to play, um, you know, I don't know, public image, and you say, oh, I don't like public image, I don't want to hear that, I'll skip on. We, it's really hard. So, for example, mm. there's a sort of, there's a few shows they've got up there at the moment, a sort of Desert Island Discs-type show. It's called mm. Ten, Ten Songs That Made Me. It's presented as a single one hour, 15 minute stream. Individual tracks are not shown. So you can only scroll a bit like when you had a cassette player and you sort of fast forwarded to try and miss a track. But you had to almost like guess to find the next section that might interest you. And well, I'll tell you what this I'll tell you what this is, Terence. This is old fashioned pre-digital radio. Yes, you couldn't it, you couldn't skip stuff over the radio before we had the, you know, digital radio and you could listen through your computer and drag and drop. This is radio in its purest form. Well, and of course that's not going to work because today people have mm. short patience with apps or websites or whatever that deliver entertainment and if it doesn't work intuitively or Mm. out of the box we lose interest and move on and to me it seemed the most fundamental thing that you would do was if you would you know like an album you can look at an album on spotify and if you think well i don't particularly want to hear octopus's garden today on abbey road just skip it (laughs) oh what (laughs) i really want to hear that every day (laughs) (laughs) exactly um but on this, it's just one long file. So it just seems the most basic failure before you start. And I think both Apple Music TV and the Spotify original shows, as they call it, seem a bit like throwbacks, as you say, rather than anything new and exciting. Mm, 
I think that's probably true. I agree. Although the only possible counter to this, and 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 this is a perhaps a weak argument, and maybe a a sort of an idealistic argument rather than one that's that's, that's actually going to turn out to be true. But I was interested to see, and again, perhaps not necessarily across the board. Perhaps this is more middle class people. I don't know. But I I did notice actually early on in lockdown that lots of people that I knew almost unexpectedly found themselves embracing slower living and doing things that they hadn't apparently cross stitch is more popular than it's ever been before apparently and I, you may laugh but no, no, loads, indeed. Again, loads yeah. of my female Relaxing, friends yeah, yeah lo- and particularly loads of my female friends in their 30s and 40s who are under often under incredible amounts of pressure how can I put this from both ends so they have small children and then they have they have caring responsibilities down and up so they have small children mm. and then they also have aging parents and, and, and you know which has been a challenge during and lockdown possibly work as well and yeah other absolutely I mean we can have another conversation about how lockdown has sent us back decades in terms of you know in terms of the equality between women and men but anyway um, so maybe maybe lockdown has made some people embrace slower activity I've been surprised as someone that's been doing radio, you know, admittedly not on a Spotify scale, I would rush to point out, but as someone's been doing live radio, I find it really interesting that I, I I do the show live on a Sunday evening. I was doing a Saturday show as well. And then I I instantly put it up on the player that I use. It's got a function whereby it records as you go along and then you can just press a button at the end and it puts it up within three minutes. And so people can go onto your page and listen to old shows and they're all up there. And I wondered at the beginning how many people I would get. I, I don't have, unfortunately have exact figures, but I wondered how many people listen live. And then if I get lots of people listening again, and actually, the vast majority of people want it live on a Sunday mm. evening. There aren't a lot of people that listen to it back. I know a few people that go, oh, I'm never, I'm never around on a Sunday night, but I do listen mm. to it on Monday or Tuesday when I'm working at home. But there is still, it would seem, and maybe even more so, given that we are being forced not to, you know, not to go out at times, maybe, maybe there might be some sort of revival with some of these things. I mean, I suspect you're right. I suspect that it probably won't happen on a large scale. But there is still a there is still a desire for people to connect and actually interestingly I think the reason why people like the thing I was doing was that people that were friends or family would listen in different places and they would dedicate records to each other I had somebody who dedicated a a record to their sister 150 miles away and the liveness of that makes it really thrilling so who knows maybe there is still a maybe there is still a kind of a a, people are still happy to let things unfold I know that stations like Six Music have been doing really well during lockdown because people have been really pleased to kind of have a friend there really I'm not sure but um yeah, like you say, it does seem a bit—it does seem a bit odd that they claim to have invented something that has existed for a very long time. <laughs> Indeed. Um, next up, when is a reformed band really a reformed mm. band? Three falling right. in the woods. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. After Beth Orton.
is playing live from her shed um, online in a benefit for the NSPCC on the 30th of uh, November, if you would like to see and hear more of her. I'm a huge fan. Yes, this me is, too. Mm, this is the title track from her album released in 1999 as a single. It reached number 37 in the UK, Beth Orton and Central Reservation. I'm a huge fan of Beth Orton too. I always have been. I think she's brilliant. She has a very, she's from East Anglia originally. She used to play at, I went to university in Norwich at the UEA and she's played that all the time. Um, I went to the Latitude Festival, which took place in Suffolk um, in 2008, I think I went. And she was making a comeback. She hadn't, she'd gone off to have a baby and she hadn't really been around. And she played on the, the main stage, I think on the Friday afternoon. And I really enjoyed seeing her play. It was brilliant. And on Sunday morning, when I was sort of sat in the main area, she walked past. And so I'd stopped her and and she she seemed quite shy and a little bit wary at first. But I stopped her to say that I have very much enjoyed her set, at which point she broke into a large grin and said, thank you. We're off to see Joanna Newsom now and pointed to the small baby in her backpack. (laughs) who was sort of sat there benignly. And uh, I wish them well. And she and her baby went off to watch Joanna Newsom. So um, it was excellent on the main stage. So, no, I'm an enormous fan of Beth. I think the thing that surprised me, though, she's very tall. I mean, oh, she's like she six foot. She's like six foot. So, so I remember sitting on the grass, and I think I stood up to speak to her in the air because I just thought, no, this is this is not going to work with her kind of up in the clouds and me sat down. Mm. But, um, but no, um, I think she's she's someone that just she's a little bit like Laura Marling, I think. Perhaps Laura Marling is the sort of next generation version of her, in that they make quite a lot of records and they just quietly get on with making really good albums. Just, just you know, just for ages, and 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 it goes past the point where people notice. Yeah, I don't think their quality particularly dips. They just keep making really good records. I particularly admire Beth Orton because some of her records sound so different to each other. It's difficult to believe that the same artist could make um, that pass mm. in time and then Daybreaker, which is really quite heavy and quite sort of dance oriented. She started off, of course, as a dance person with William Orbit and the, and the Chemical Brothers. She mm. was sort of a kind of a come down queen vocalist for them and then sort of made her own folk career. No, I, I think she's great. I think she's really, really undersung when it comes to British artists that we produced in the last 20 or 30 years. And by the way, terrific video to go with this. If you uh, yes. can catch it on YouTube for Central Reservation. Um, any any artist that is publicising live dates for the future, they're obviously taking something of a gamble in these peculiar times. Uh, a cynical person um, would say that any <laughs> artist or group taking bookings for provisional future dates will be accruing a tidy sum of interest, even if they mm. have to issue refunds in a year. Indeed, I, I saw a flyer on social media the other day for a mm. comedian who's taking bookings for her shows at the London Palladium for... April 2022. Um, wow. Now, that's the definition of op- optimistic, I think. Isn't it? One, one way to generate interest for live gigs is when a revered band reforms. And it was something of a surprise this week, I think, to see that after various um, iterations and factions, the four original members of the Damned are reuniting mm. for some live gigs in July 20. 21 if of course life is easier by then um this is a yes. genuine reform and, and it, i think it'll get um it'll generate interest among followers of their sort of brand of mm. punk one i'm not so sure about um is the news this week that toto planned to reform but 
with one. I mean, one. I'm here for it because I love Toto, but yes, well, go on. One original member, mm. um, guitarist Steve Lucather, um, who a splendid chap by all accounts, but mm. one member um, genuinely, can, can one member really genuinely tour under the name of the band, in this case, um, Toto Jules? I suspect the answer is probably no, isn't it, really? I mean, it, I suppose it really depends on how you're defining who the band is, because in a just insane world, every person in a band would be as important as each other man, and it would be all about the whole, and if you chop one of our limbs off, we can't exist. In reality, it's the creative, it's the front person and all the creative team that really make a band, isn't it, really? To some extent, there is always going to be, as the excellent newsletter Pop Bits used to put it, there's always going to be the Craig Logan, isn't there, from Ross. There's always going to be the baggage who could probably be dispensed with. But there are, you know, some band members are more equal than others, to quote George Orwell. See, it's not often you get Pop Bits and George Orwell quoted in the same 10 seconds. But there are, so to, to some extent, there are some band members who we would identify with the band more than others. For example, bless them, from the jam, keep, keep going. But they are the members of the jam that are not for Weller, as a result of which their success has been somewhat limited shall we say they play you know that they make a decent living playing or well, they did make a decent living playing smaller venues but you know there's going to be a ceiling isn't there without without the certain members of the band interest is gonna is gonna wear off isn't it um you then get you then move on to this idea that you sometimes end up with warring bands don't you with different members of the same band um you know sort of battling for supremacy who is the band who do you associate with the band i mean you know maybe this toto thing might work because it's the main man but then it it depends on the band i suppose really there there are certain bands who you know lose a member and they and they replace a member and no one really notices the uh, the arctic monkeys replaced their drummer for example and no one really you know sort of noticed or, or cared very much unfortunately but um but or their bass player i think it was you see that's the extent to which people people didn't care i would very much recommend if you're interested in this idea of bands splitting up and, and bands trying to reform, um, that I, I, I was alerted to this because I was listening to an excellent podcast called Box of Delights about TV and Julia Rayside had on the journalist Sally Hughes and she asked her about, you know, what was her favourite kind of memorable low-key TV moment and she picked BBC Two used to do a, dro- a documentary called Tough at the Top you might remember this mm, about yeah. about big businesses or uh, who who are sort of going through a time of transitional trouble and it was basically you know sort of gawping from the sidelines they did one about bucks fizz and oh, it is okay. worth watching because it is absolutely oh it is it is incredible basically the whole thing is is based around the fact that the bucks fizz split off into two versions and one of them it, it ends up featuring david van day from dollar who how can i put this does not come out of this particularly well and um it's it's uh, and even today there are two versions of the group that exist a version which includes original member bobby g and a version including the three other original members cheryl baker mike nolan and jay aston who record under the name get this the fizz mm. so so who's it's almost like fleetwood mac as well who 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 are the band 
who are the people in the band who make the band? Because in in all reality, that is not going to be the whole band, unless you have someone like ABBA or some or the Beatles, maybe. I think you have to have a band that is phenomenally successful and branded in order to in order for it to, to for every member to count so really if you've got a new version of the band that doesn't have the songwriter or the original front person in it i don't think it counts see i think this would be all right if he went out saying uh, on the flyers and on the publicity um new tour steve lacartha of toto that's fine but calling it toto implies mm-hmm. that it's you know a pretty um, meaty lineup of the original there's so many of these band reunions that are questionable in 2006 the cars went out went out on tour with todd mm. Rundberg on lead vocals instead of the unique vi- uh, voice of um, mm. Rick Okasek. And, that, you know, that's not really the cars, is it, much as I love Todd. And um, no. the, drum- the drummer of the Birds, Michael Clark, he toured as the Birds for years with no mm. other original members. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I think the, it is. The, the Doors toured with ian asprey on vocals and stuart copeland on drums yes of course and the new york times said as travesties as travesties go it could have been worse which is hardly (laughs) a reinforcement i was gonna say Uh, that's not exactly that's not exactly you know a buzz review is it really no i mean our queen really queen with adam lambert on vocals the paul rogers for that matter or paul rogers the who carry on with 50 percent of the band deceased um Clearly, musicians want to go on playing and hearing the roar of the crowd, but there are limits. Ringo doesn't go out on tour claiming to be the be the Beatles. And no, and neither does McCartney, to be fair. He no. does play Beatles stuff, but he does yeah. it as himself, as doesn't he? I mean, yeah. you know, it's sort of an old cliche, but you can call a duck an elephant, but if it quacks, it's still a duck. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And like you say, I think, I think the key to this, and you've absolutely hit the nail on the head, how difficult is it to call yourself whoever it is presents the songs of whoever they are i mean surely that is i mean at least the jam call themselves from the jam now because at least they at least they kind of nodded to the fact that if you don't have paul weller in yourselves you're not the jam are you in in in, in the remotest of senses um it's interesting that you mentioned the who in that kind of bracket of oh they're going with 50 percent of the members by my metric they can still call themselves the who because they've still got the front person they've still got the songwriter maybe i'm more cold-hearted than you when it comes to these things maybe i'm more i'm more no, I willing think to dispense with i with, think with, you're with right because the first um couple of examples again where michael clark of the burbs he, he was the drummer going out yeah, the birds, and the cars going out with todd rungren on lead vocals you know it's yeah. not the, the lead singer but uh, no. um i think you know there is some legitimacy as you say of townsend and mm. daughtry calling some, themselves the who um although they I, sort of are they'd lost yeah. keith moon donkeys years well, ago yeah. anyway hadn't they so so you could argue, yeah, yeah absolutely so you could argue and actually interestingly let do you remember when led zeppelin did that one off reunion about a mm. decade ago yes. and that was interesting because they didn't of course have their original uh, uh, drummer john bonham who died they did have his son jason bonham on drums so maybe that's another iteration isn't it if an original member's not a member but it is a relative of theirs is that okay i know that zach starkey was was drumming for various members of the beatles for a while as well the son of ringo so it's interesting isn't it maybe uh maybe if you've got a relative if you can play a super sub is that all right 
I know, and people still, many people still hope to this day, don't they, that Darnie Harrison and James McCartney yes. and Zach Starkey and um, Julian One Lennon yeah, will, um, you know, somehow come together, but oh, come together. <laughs> <laughs> hey, very good. Oh, hey. Speaks us the next generation, yes. indeed. Um, thank you very much for listening. Your your um, your ears are very much appreciated. Mm, yes, I, I, I. What can I say? I, for one, uh, welcome our new listener overlords. Thank you very much. Now, Jules, where may we hear your lovely voice and your smooth choices of music? <laughs> uh, remind us again. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah, I, I did. I'm sorry. It seems like I go on about the fact I do radio all the time, but there's not a lot else going on at the moment. So indulge me this. I do a show on Sunday evenings on my Mixler channel. If you go to ML sorry mixlr.com search for my name you can find my channel i go live on sunday evenings from seven till nine i do a show called smooth sailing which is uh, easy listening uh, yacht rock classic pop that sort of thing fairly undemanding but good quality i do try and keep the quality up things for, for a sunday evening with me telling you about them honestly don't tell spotify they'll sue but um but yeah that that's what i do you can also listen to old shows up on my my show reel which is which is on the on the page if if you look for it as well so so that's what i'll be doing now we're going well you've chosen a track that takes us way back in mm. time to play us out yeah nothing if not current are we around these parts <laughs> i was watching an excellent program on bbc4 last night regular listeners now i'm quite a fan of jazz and they had a lot of jazz things on bbc4 last evening we were recording this on a saturday the 24th of october this is all available on iplayer by the way if you'd like to catch up with it um it was a documentary about count basie basically explaining his career and it was called Count Basie in his own words so there was I think it was Clark Peters was reading out uh, Count Basie had been persuaded to write his life story not long before he died so it was him describing his own sort of life but but equally they had contributors and talking heads as well and it was incredibly interesting I didn't know anything about his personal life turns out that him and his wife who despite as he put it in his own words him occasionally being quite a bad boy did stay together for, for their whole lives they died within a year of each other I think and they had a daughter who was quite disabled and they they kept being told that she wouldn't be able to do certain things and thanks to Catherine Bass's bloody mindedness she did manage to walk she did manage to sort of live and is still alive I think today she did leave lead you know a, a, as full a life as she could so I thought that was fascinating it did also go into the music and how Count Basie had this amazing kind of they managed to keep adapting they managed it he managed to keep his band on the road despite the downturn in jazz um, and interestingly I asked for one o'clock jump because that is seen as this kind of groundbreaking tune that I say it's a tune it's a collection of riffs and solos really it was it was very different in its own way to, to how jazz had been beforehand um, the different versions of this we've gone with the very pure original version from 1937 they then did pep it up so that people could jitterbug to it and it became much loved of dancers everywhere so so I admire Count Basie partly because I hadn't realised how stoic he was in his support of his wife and daughter and also just because I think to be able to keep adapting um, is great although having said that I noticed at the end that there is someone else that still tours with the Count Basie Orchestra oh, so maybe grief. that maybe that takes us back to our mm. earlier topic I, I, it's like having the Jimi Hendrix experience experience without Jimi Hendrix I'm a little bit concerned as to how you can have the Count Basie orchestra without Count Basie but anyway let's have Count Basie now and this is one o'clock jump
You've been listening to a Parish Council production.